Welcome to Belly Up to the Blackboard, a podcast focused on the reality of teaching and other musings from and about professionals, hosted by Chris Munn and Justin Russell. Today's episode is our inaugural episode called Welcome to Our World, an introduction to who we are and what we are about. So guys, tell me what motivates you to do this podcast, why you think you have anything to say other than the millions of other podcasts out there, how you got into teaching, where you're at in your career, and why the hell anyone should listen to you. It's a great question. I don't know. Um, can you repeat what we're doing today? <laughs> Off to a good start, guys. Uh, no, I, I think, you know what? There are a ton of podcasts out there, and we just thought it'd be fun to, you know, get together once a week and talk about the things that we see, um, you know, th- what we've seen throughout teaching and what we see, and just different stories of teaching, you know, around the country, and, um, you know, have people on maybe to, to talk about, you know, their teaching experience so far, and maybe goals. I don't know. We'll just see what happens. Yeah. I think the biggest difference is, you know, a lot of podcasts talk about interventions and how to, you know, change what you're doing. And really this podcast is more about just like those stories that nobody tells you before you start teaching, right? Like the things we wish we would have known at 19, 20, 21 before we went into teaching. And then just some of those anecdotal things that, you know, occur that no one really tells you about. So So that's why I think I appreciate this, is that you guys are not about thinking that you have the answers, you're going to solve everything for everybody, that your stories are not necessarily unique to teaching, but the understanding that everyone brings a different perspective to education. And especially in this time, like, talk about, like, why now? Like, I feel like you guys have been in this long enough. They're both special ed teachers, by the way. Um... (laughs) Which there's a lot to say about that, but um, you guys have been in this long enough. Like, what compels you, honestly, to think that you know what? There's a voice for this. There's a voice for what we have to say, and what we have to say is valid. Well, I mean, I think that you know, in this last year and a half, and you know, we can talk about COVID till uh, you know for quite a while, but. Uh, there's experiences we've had in the last year and a half that we've never had or other people have never experienced either. And um, that kind of got us thinking of, you know what, there's a lot of people out here who've experienced different things, not just in that last year and a half, but the last, you know, since they've started teaching. And um, we thought, you know, why not now? You know, let's 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 see what everybody else has to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's this idea that education means the same thing to everyone. And I, and I think we have to kind of dig deeper in this, really talking through a lot of things. And so the idea is to have guest teachers come on and really talk about their profession, about where they are. Not like trying to solve problems and talk about like larger issues, but really just talking about how we're surviving day to day. Um, teaching is one of those great professions, but it is also a profession where... Your day one, you're expected to teach like a 20-year veteran. And there's supposed to be no differentiation in that. And and it's different than any other profession in the world. Yet, we have to have a skill set that's higher than any other profession in the world. And we get paid, what, uh, a fifth of that? Uh, you know, and so the idea is never work for free. I think you guys are paid more than I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, maybe that's the case, you know. Like, and, uh, but, you know, like, you get front row parking, right, Liz? 
some days. <laughs> yeah, if the band kids don't beat us <laughs> there, right? <laughs> well, what I always say is, like, when you're in, like, your undergraduate stuff for education, everything you're taught is theory. The theory of education. But then, like, if you go on and go to your master's class, and at least for me, and I don't know about you guys, but, like, for my master's courses, it was all things that you can see in the classroom. You have mm-hmm. hands-on experience with. It's not just theory. It's it's things that you can actually take back to the classroom. And, um, and just like, you know, Justin was saying is that a lot of people don't know what's, what's going on or you're supposed to know everything right away. Well, you know the theory of things. But you've never experienced it. Even in a practicum or, you know, um, in your student teaching, you're there for just a, just a glimpse or, you know, a moment in time. As opposed to when you start really working that day one of your first year of teaching, it is, you're not, you know, a lot of people are not ready for things that they did not go through in, in their undergraduate stuff. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I, I remember my day one of teaching. So, like, all of my lesson plans and everything up until student teaching had been done on a smart board. So I had used all this technology because college is awesome, right? Like they spend millions hey, of dollars. you guys are way younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had the overhead, and, you know, chisel and scribe a hammer. The, right? <laughs> what was that? The blue ink that we all smell like getting high, getting high from it. Okay. I'm pretty sure that, you know, octopuses pooped it out or something. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, like that's the thing, like, you go in with, what, 10, 12 lesson plans into your student teaching, and you find out the school you're teaching at still has, like, 1920s technology. I mean, that's the issue. And then you're left to have to justify your horrible lesson plans after that, right? Like, and because you had to adjust on the fly. And I, I think that's an undervalued skill is that, you know, you think about teachers, man, you think about people who can make decisions on the fly and and they're in the best interest for kids but in the same token it's it is the autonomy to do that but yeah in the same token you know heaven forbid it's an evaluation day right like you have to go from plan a to c to d and then f um and that's the things that you know we're kind of wanting to do on this podcast is as we're talking through those beginning years and then where we are now how those thought processes have changed, but then also how our goals have changed. Yeah, and and not only like in Iowa because that obviously that's where you know that's where we're at. But what does it look like around the country? I mean, there's you know we talk about maybe the schools that we're in and what and what our resources are, but uh, you know you never know what somebody else is dealing with. And when we hit the you know the uh, the pandemic and had to teach from home, now you have teachers that never touched a smart board or like your video conferencing and it's it is a huge change and along with that change is you know a lot of stress yeah and i i don't know about you liz i mean um you've taught for a couple more years than chris and i have they're calling me old (laughs) (laughs) we said a couple in a very nice way we said a couple couple. i mean chris and i are 38 you're what like 43 44 Sure. You, had a kid, you had a kid when you were 15. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where we're at, right? Um, this is why I signed up with this <laughs> But you can, you can attest to the idea that there's not a very valid way to train teachers, right? Like you think about, let's talk about stock traders. Stock traders have to be signed on an internship. They get paid jack squat, but they're for a year. They are working for somebody 
and learning. They're basically doing that person's job for a year. And the evaluation isn't the fact of like by this objective criterion of indicators, but it's really about are they producing results? And you could probably attest to that, how that's changed over the years, right? Um, well, and I think about, you know, we throw teachers into the classroom from day one. And I was not, as an undergrad, I was not a teaching major. I went straight English and um, did my teaching after that. But we throw teachers into the classroom the first day, and we expect us all to know exactly, like, what the hell we're doing. And we're not working with machines. We're not working with, like, we're working with humans in front of us. And that realization of, holy shit, like, <laughs> what am I doing? And I think about that because I think teacher prep programs, um, there are good ones out there, but I think we underserve teachers when we look at lawyers, when we look at especially the medical profession and how they go through these residencies and all of this. And it's like we would never think to put them in an operating room until they've had mentoring galore. They've had simulations. And we don't do that for teachers. And we are, you know, by society's judgments, we're the most important profession, most undervalued, but we'll get to that in another episode. <laughs> um, but, I mean, think about it. We are working with humans and shaping them, and we are thrown in first day and it's like, Four years undergrad should have served you well, like get going. And yeah. I think most of us, for me personally, 28 years in this, it took me 10 years to go, okay, I think I'm close to understanding this, but I'm nowhere near it. So um, yeah, I don't know. I think I veered off. I'm too nervous. No, no, no. no. And, <laughs> and, and to piggyback on your, your idea, though, like we're talking about the ability to adapt. So like I feel like... And I shouldn't say feel because I want to be as like factual as possible. So I know beyond a shadow of doubt that I could find factual information and studies that thinking about right, uh, Liz is over there fact checking us, right? Um, but think about this: like in any other industry, failure when doing research or failure when conducting new ways to do things is celebrated, right? Like we think about entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs don't do well because they've never had failure. They are the ones who continuously, successful entrepreneurs continuously celebrate that failure. Um, but teaching, we we critique, we degrade, we criticize failure, right? Like when we try something new, it is you're a horrible teacher because that didn't work and kids aren't progressing. It really is the only profession where it is a pure outcome-driven profession that you're told you're a good teacher or a bad teacher. Um, and I even think about that now where a lot of districts are going to, do you have a relationship with 110, 200, 300 kids, right? Like knowing that your kids inside and out, and that is the measurement of success. And right now, there has to be an understanding, and I think that's for new teachers, is that this profession has changed. When you think about the theories of education, you think about the applications of what it means to educate somebody, that landscape has changed drastically from a kid who does well academically to are they doing well academically, socially? Are they doing well relationship-wise? Are they doing well with this, that, and this? 
and that metric still hasn't caught up with us, I don't think. No, well, I think you, uh, people get lost in the fact that, um, at least outside of education, is that you go, you go and you teach the kids and, and they're successful. And if they're not, you know, what are we doing wrong? Whereas, but inside, I know I've heard it multiple times, is you're not just a teacher. You're a teacher. You're uh, a psychologist. You're a counselor. You're, you're all these things wrapped into one because kids come in, you know, into the building each day with, you know, God knows what has happened or, um, you know, what they're dealing with and, and just trying to set a lesson, right, as Justin's on his phone here. To, <laughs> I'm that kid in class. Oh, my God. Attention deficit. You're trying to teach is, a lesson to is kids. Is this a pee break right these now? These guys are sped teachers. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just you got to understand that. One day it might your lesson might be crap, but it's because a kid is working till three a.m. to help his family out. And I mean, for me, I've gotten to the point. I like, you know, I can accept that. Yeah. You know, because it's not going to be perfect every day, and and there's out you know outside variables. That, so to interrupt you on course. that topic, though, like tell me though, Chris, like wouldn't you say yes? We would all agree. There's this <clears throat> idea of. <laughs> academic deficiencies right but wouldn't you say a lot of our kids that we that we work with it is not because of developmental delays it is because of outside factors like you were just talking about because from the age of 12 they've been staying up all night helping work right bring in income yeah or watching watching brother or sister while parents are working yes you know and so the academic delays is, are there but it's not because of cognitive delays no it's because of outside factors right yeah so if, i mean in a perfect world if they were you know stable household from kindergarten through when they you know come to us you might not see anything but there are delays because in second grade they had to sleep all day because they watched brother or sister who was two or three while, you know, parent was working or what you know, whatever it may be, which, you know, had that effect in, you know, in school. And, you know, as a special ed teacher, and I know you're just near the same way, is that when I graduated from college, I was a social studies major. I was a social sciences major, um, did not have special ed. Went through some interviews and then I got a call from uh, an assistant principal at the time of the school, you know, we went to and Asked if I was interested interested in special ed, if I ever thought about it. That was one of those like almost life altering. Well, it was a life altering decision because like, do I do this or do I, you know, do I teach, you know, am I sub for a year to, uh, you know, and just wait till I get a social studies job? And it was a, it was a BD job at the time, and it basically changed changed where I went from. I I love sped and. Um, just switched eventually to like a level one room and uh, but yeah it's you never and then I, I didn't have any training for special ed in college you know it was on the fly I was taking classes as I was teaching in the room and that's you know that's how some some people start their profession too and I can kind of relate to that because I was not I was an English undergrad what is that? What does that mean? Can you explain, Sorry. like Liz, what what was it? What is an English under? Is that like just like sitting out in the country, writing poetry by the lake? Like, Pretty what much. does that mean? Like Pretty much. undergrad. So an English undergrad is basically like I don't know what the hell I'm doing with the rest of my life. But I really like these authors, and I really like to read this stuff. Um, 
I never thought I wanted to be a teacher, but I think the teacher was ingrained with me. So I don't know. I always thought I wanted to go to law school. Another episode. But to your point, like, I don't know what the fuck your point do, was. Do you, <laughs> the, do you the remember point the point? Is, well, like, I'll edit that out. The point is really, like, I, I think it narrows down to, like, Chris, what Chris was saying is is that we we at times are so, as teachers, I, I believe, are so driven by outcomes, right? Like, the data, the data, the data. Like, a perfect example today, and this is another episode, but if 80% are succeeding, there's 20% or aren't. So we need to change systems that meet that 20%. And I, I think that's what you're driving home, right, Chris, is that we are talking about the systems that are in place for our career. But in the same token, it is this idea that we don't have room to fail, right? Like there's no breathing room. It is every day <clears throat> these kids have to make progress or we're not good teachers. And do you, would you agree, Liz and Chris, that, that that is kind of a stressor, right? Like, we have to have visual results or there is some kind of downside to it. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier is that, that that's our goal is for kids to be successful. You know, to, to for special ed, to close that gap and, you know, to, to hit that, uh, that mark we're looking for for them, their goal. But again, there's outside things that, that interfere with it. You know, you have a kid that's, like I said before, working until 3 a.m. and can't keep their eyes open in class. It's hard to move the needle with that kid when all they really, I mean, they need sleep. You know, even if you try to keep them awake or keep, keep them awake, it's it's falling on deaf ears because they, they can't focus enough to even keep their eyes open. So here's what I, I guess I want to think about, too, is when we think about this podcast and what we are going to bring different from maybe other podcasts we're not here to pontificate as far as like we know best we're not going to tell you how to make teaching you know the yeah we've got all the answers it comes back to that point that we said in our heading like you know this is musings from and about professionals who are humans and as much as we are tasked with Remembering that the people in front of us are humans, like society has to remember also that as professionals, we are humans and we cannot, cannot fix all the ills of society um, from education. We are people who signed up for, what'd you say, your undergrad? Social sciences. Social sciences, English. I'm actually phys ed and health. Phys ed and health. So you have three people here who, you know... Teaching was our calling. I, I firmly believe that, and I have confidence in the two people with me that, like, we, this is a vocation for us, but we, we're not on this linear path of we're going to change lives. And I think that's what's missed in education is that, you know what, we are people who decided to take this calling um, that other people, a lot of people criticize, a lot of people devalue, but they aren't the ones that are going to take up the arms either and come join us. And so I think this podcast is all about also like remembering the people behind the students who, you know what, we're humans. And my God, we have, we have stuff going on as well. We want the best for our students. We got in this because I do believe if we, we, if we identify it or not, like I do believe we all felt a calling. Um, Do you remember the, like the moment, did you have that moment of, 
I'm going to become a teacher. Yeah, I did. And this is kind of a downer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good thing we're drinking. (laughs) I think in in any educator, there are stories. I don't think there's one story. I think there are stories. And hopefully we can all share those as far as moments that led up to that decision. And I I feel like we're we're validated and motivated by people who were for and against us in our educational career. But honestly, like this is the downer. So I, in fifth grade, I had this wonderful teacher. Um, and I, I just, we adored her. She was just great. She was awesome. She was 23 at that age. She was like 50 to us, whatever. Anyway, okay. She was probably like 30. This is the downer of all. She was 23. (laughs) But, um, like three weeks before we were going into sixth grade, like, what was her name? Do you remember? Yeah, Kitty Menzel. I'll you never, remember to this day, I'll never right? forget this. Yes. And this is the sad part. So she took her own life like six, like three weeks before we were supposed to go into sixth grade. I don't know oh, why I'm no. laughing. I don't know why it's I'm laughing. It's a defense mechanism. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll edit yeah. that part if out. If you weren't yeah. laughing, you'd be crying. Yes. yes. But it was that idea of this person like, how did this person not know she made a difference in so many lives? Like how, and I really, it wasn't until I was actually in college and undergrad, actually my senior year, I think, that I wrote a paper about this, that it's like, you know what? Like that was a pivotal moment for me. And at 11 years old, like I'm writing the eulogy for her. Like I don't have context of that, but at 21 or whatever age I was in that senior year class, like I understood, like that was a pivotal moment where, you know what? This person had a pretty big effect. Yeah. yeah. You know, on how you could affect other people. And I think, like, again, I was an English undergrad. I never thought, like, teaching, whatever. But I think that for me. But, again, I think we are a culmination of all good and bad experiences of teachers that we never... It's like parenting. Never going to be like my mom. Um, <laughs> That's another podcast. You know, <laughs> but I mean, like you take the good and the bad and you think like, God, like I, and junior year, like in my high school, girls are so mean. I wanted to drop out so badly. So it's like, but who was there for me as an educator that year that I was like, that's who I want to be for other people. So you guys have similar stories. So share what, like, so, when you really So would you say that's your it. why though? Like really that's your why is because you had these adults in your life that you felt really made an impact right and for good or bad good or bad right good or bad. yeah and, yeah. and you were maybe i think we've all been in that situation where we were maybe not old enough to think about that fact of good or bad but we just knew somebody had an yeah. impact and yeah. they were a teacher right um, isn't that everybody's story a little bit I if we're really so. gonna get it, admit it you know like some people are driven by money right and then they go into a profession that <laughs> not by money. i'm gonna say so oh. we're not teachers right okay <laughs> but you know what i mean like some people are driven by this idea that they, you know, have to sell things or manipulate, you know, if you want to call you salesmen manipulators. But I think for the most part, we all had, the reason we wanted to teach is because we all had this person in our life, adult, or maybe it was kind of one of those deals where we felt like that is where we had a skill or impact in life, right? Um, you know, I can think of many teachers that I've taught with in the years that, had a sibling that maybe was in special education that that they really took part in that that caring for. And you're right, Liz. I, I think you're correct in this idea that we all probably who got into teaching had that one adult, right? That, that and that's Liz eating, by the way, <laughs> crunching on her. <laughs> way to be empathetic on this. Um but and Chris, you could probably agree, because Chris and I went to school together in high school and 
you know, there were several teachers that, that had an impact on my life, but really I didn't think about teaching honestly until about my junior year of college. Um, and I, I really had this idea that I was going to go into the sciences and kind of the CSI route. And apparently you have to go to class to pass them <laughs> in college. Um, I kind of learned, I really learned that my sophomore minor, year. Minor detail. <laughs> minor detail. Nobody really, I think that's an applied thing, right? Like nobody really explains that detailed wise. And, um, but you know, like I, I really did have, as I think back, think about whether they were kids my age or adults who I consider adults, um, that I felt like really encouraged me to get into that teaching field. And I, I don't think I can narrow it down to one or two, but there's a lot of teachers that really implied or kind of encouraged me this idea of like just being supportive of people, right? And just because of the the knowledge or the research or the reading that I do, like having that ability to really just connect with where people are and then kind of talk them through like how we can get to that next level. And teaching was a natural field. Um and so that's really how I got into teaching. That and the you know the money and yeah. the summers off yeah. and, the fame. and the fame. I mean, don't yeah. forget about that. Um, and so with that, um, we probably could take a quick pause here. I think it's just that idea of um, our stories matter as much as the people in front of us, and we're not going to discount their stories any more than ours. But mm-hmm. like. I don't know, like, is there finally a platform maybe for not to talk about pedagogy, not to talk about strategies, but just talk about, like, we are the humans that are um, entrusted, I guess, with, like, creating value for these people who don't see value in their own lives, but, like, what value do we get out of it? And what keeps... What keeps us coming back day to day on those days where we're like, God, you know, we, we got our own shit. We yeah. got our own shit. But for some reason, there's something within within this whole profession that we say, but your shit matters than, more than mine at this moment. And I can, I can, um, what's that? Well, when you, when you compartmentalize. Compartmentalize. <laughs> well, I'm an English teacher. I, I think don't know you, these big I mean, words. And I think that's. Maybe that's, you know, the te- we talk about teacher burnout, is that we push down feelings or, you know, put aside yeah. what's affecting us because we know I'm one person, but there's 20 kids mm-hmm. that are waiting for me. And they, just like we don't know what's going on in a lot of our kids' lives, they don't know what's going on in our lives either. Yeah. And I don't know, sometimes you feel like almost like it's complaining if you like are yeah. talking about what's, yeah. what's bothering you. And, yeah. and it may just be one of those self, <laughs> uh, you know, that's just what I'm thinking about, but, and maybe people would want to hear, you know, and I know now there's a lot of teachers that are opening up about what they're struggling with and, and hopefully, you know, that, that'll help. I mean, yeah, cause the, and I think I've mentioned this before. There's this idea that knowledge in the old days, and I say old days as if it was, you know, a thousand years ago, but. Oh, I talked about the 80s, like it was 20 years ago. I'm like, oh my God, that was 40 years ago. Well, it's okay. hilarious because kids say, you know, what's it like being born in the 1900s? That's a new joke, right? But I think there's this idea that like in the quote unquote old days, knowledge was power. I mean, Chris and Liz, you can attest to this. 
when we used to have to do research, it wasn't like, what did Google, Jeeves, Yahoo say, right? Like, we literally were asking people who were there, right? Like, first-person accounts. Liz, you and I have talked about, like, World War II, right? Like, the idea that our knowledge about World War II didn't come from Google, Wikipedia, random websites. It literally came from... It came from your grandfather. Yes. <laughs> and these passed down stories that were historically accurate. And I and I think about how today knowledge is not power, right? Like it is not power. It is what resources do you have at your hands? That is power. And I struggle with that idea because if it takes student A 30 minutes to figure out something... Because they have to research it, Google it, all that. But student B has it already memorized. Like, why is it of greater value that student A can think through and figure out where that came from versus student B already now 10 steps ahead, right? And I, I think that's what we're all getting at is that one time we thought we became educators because we figured we had something to pass on to the next generation, and that's the issue is, is now as educators, and I think that's worldwide, is what do we have to offer kids beyond what they can search? Right? Well, absolutely, <clears throat> because if they can Google it, then we just need robots in front of the classroom. Yes. So what are, they off what are we offering them besides technology at their hands? And, and I think that's when we, you know, again, talk to other people and what are they doing that do they feel the same way? Mm -hmm. Do they feel like they're just babysitting some days because what I'm saying you you can look up or you know the things that we have kids that are missing some skills but those skills can be easily covered up with a calculator you know it's yeah there's a crisis sometimes of like what am I doing that the Christ yeah absolutely like what purpose do I have because again in a in a society that says they value education yet technology um, rewards those you know the the influencers and the um the the quick what the fuck am i even talking about They're, they get the, they get rich quick like yeah. i don't know like just the idea of like instant gratification instant gratification but, thank you and i think and i kind of like liken te teaching to to golf sometimes it's like you're struggling you're struggling you're struggling and all of a sudden you have that one kid that you built that relationship with tell you something exciting that's happened mm -hmm. to them or you know the kid that you taught 10 years ago on facebook sends you a message or tags you on like teacher appreciation week and then you realize that you know you don't hear about all of that until it's like 10 years down the road oh, most of the time yeah so then it's like i made a difference yeah and you keep yeah. coming back but you it's know? not like stocks where you get that like hey you know what we rose this percentage today mm -hmm. And I think we've talked about theory in undergrad to the practical of our practice to the reality of the feedback that you get from students is not instant. It goes against the grain of what we are used to in society. And I think that's why I have to believe that we will always have people in another episode like I think of my daughter who chose to go into education because she saw no matter on the worst days of my life, like it was still the best choice of profession. She chose to go to it herself. Um, and I think there is a, a whole generation of people who 
Like, we still value this. And yeah. it's that theory to practical to reality, but also back to the idealism that those of us who choose to stay in this profession, not for the money, um, we do idealistically believe that we are changing something for good. And whether it takes 10 years, 15 years, a lifetime, they will eventually um, think about the influence of their lives and teachers are going to play a role in that at some point. Yeah, and... I think that's a great point, and as you were talking, Liz, I thought about Warren Buffett has this fa- famous phrase or quote, and he talks about when you invest in something, you want to find companies that are going to be around for 100 years and have a moat, right? And I think about education. Education's going nowhere. You know, the... By that, the, you mean it's not going nowhere. Right? Education is not... Is not We're going nowhere, no, people. No, it's not. It's not like... It's not going extinct, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and at the end of the day, in 100 years, there will still be teachers. In some form or fashion, there will still be educators. And the you talk about a moat. I, I think about how teachers are this weird niche, right, where... We talk about jack of all trades. I mean, teachers literally are the Swiss Army knife of careers, and, and we are everything to anybody. And and Warren Buffett, I think, had it right where you invest in those things. But the problem is, is I feel like those investments of society have not caught up. When you think about teaching, and it's not even about money. It's not t- about technology. It literally is just about communities and society saying that our kids need to increase their knowledge in either academics, life skills, whatever it may be. But you think about how a lot of people have become very complacent in this idea that schools are going to do everything for kids. And that is a lot. Like you, you two have said, Chris and Liz, about that's a lot on people. I mean, we're humans at the end of the day, and we have our own lives, our own kids, our own goals, dreams, whatever. And at the end of the day, if we are too physically or mentally worn down to be at work, we have to we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps to say, there's 30, 40 kids who are depending on us today to be there because we are everything to them. Um, and I think you make great points on those two things, so... Okay, so inside Actors Studio here, question. <laughs> okay, let's do it. When it comes to teaching every day, at the end of the day, what's the one word that you just want to shout out of your mouth? On an average day of teaching, <laughs> <laughs> what's the one word? Well, I think the person who asked it has to go first. Yeah. I mean, like, I would like, say, fuck! <laughs> I think it's just a big sigh. Like, okay. just a. Whew, you know, got through another one some days. Some days it was amazing. Some days it was not. Um, yeah, I would have to probably echo both of you. I, and I know that sounds unoriginal, but... It does. I, yes, I, yes, it does. I almost think of like it is people who do marathons. Like, no, like, trust me, I haven't ran for <laughs> years or months. But, you know, those people, when I when we watch videos of marathoners, they get to the end, they put their hands it's up. It's the point, too. Exactly, you're right. It's point two. It's the point two. It's the point two, absolutely. And I, that's a great point. Um, 
for me, it is literally getting to the end of the day. It's throwing my hands up, seeing a finish line, but yet going, oh, shit, I got another marathon to run tomorrow, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, you know, like, you know, David Goggins, all those guys who do, like, what is it, 50 marathons oh, or 50 God. days. Yeah, the or ultra marathons. The ult- whatever and, it yeah. is. Like, like, me. like <laughs> that's what I compare teaching to is, and I've always told, like, you know, I have people who say, well, you get summers off. You have so many days off. And I go, you know what? Another like, episode. Exactly. Another episode. I would go ahead and say, look, take away all those breaks if you come for a week and teach. And not complain once, right? Like, you have no complaints at all at the end of that week. And, and I think that is a challenge um, that people don't understand. And so you're right. I just throw my hands up like a marathoner. I shit myself at the end and <laughs> call it good, right? <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> so if you could have any guest on this show, why are you looking at your watch? That's an email. Is your wife meeting you? No, it's not text. It's we'll an edit email. this out. If you could have any guest on the show, well, when I learn this, <laughs> when, I, when I learn this, any guest on the show with the purpose of influencing them in the mindset of, I want you to know this about what I have chosen as a career. Who would you choose to have on with a conversation? Chris? I'm thinking. That's a challenging question. That's a really good question. Um... I mean, barring and uh, barring any like reality, do they of, have like, to be alive? Could, yeah, no, no, like they don't have to be alive. They don't. We're not talking expense. Nothing like the ideal. Like, who would you talk to to say like this is what no, I want you to know? That's like asking what historical football coach, dead or alive, would be the best today. Like, who would I, that be? I don't think you can answer answer that. Okay. Because the game is completely different. Yeah, that's my point is that the game and... Okay, so let me ask you a different question. Who would you ask on this show that could influence education in the way that you would want it to be influenced? Whether that's from a political standpoint, from a financial... Is that any better of a question? Well, I think you got to narrow it down because like to... You know, I mean, to segment it, oh, you're talking okay. about. Jeez, that's that's a great question, Liz. Like, question. um, who 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 would be in our society? Who would you deem is the greatest influencer that could, like, if you wanted to say this is what we want done in education, and you're the person to get us there. That's your 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 teach English. You uh, you know like so I don't know about you Chris but like How many I, drinks are you in? I know like four. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Justin. You Chris. Know, but like I think I don't know the, the older I get obviously like I the more reflective I think I feel. In but there's five. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's true. Um, but I think about like what is it like in the Bible where where and not to be the religious but God says, who should I send, right? And we say, here am here I, I, send I. Or send I me, right? Right. I and, and, right. And, I, and I, I think about, like, teaching, like you said earlier, Liz, is a calling, right? And we all feel that, right? We all feel that intense 
urge to go into this field. I mean, obviously, for someone to do teaching for 20 years, there's a reason. It's not because they're stuck, they can't get another career. Like, you know, people say that, but I think about it now. Like, I could go to Walmart, right, and be the creator for $25, right, an hour. Um, But it's a calling, and I almost think that you have to go outside of teaching to think about that, right? Like, Hmm. what other career fields... Is there's an idea that it's a calling? It is a not because my skills are great at it or because I want to. Like I would love to play baseball professionally, but I suck at baseball. Right? Like, like I, I can't do what I'm passionate about. Or... At your age. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! It's Dominican Republic. Come on now. Um, well, because he hasn't answered the question. <laughs> I I don't know who I would think. Would I don't know be. if there's one person that could make a. Because think of all the characteristics. You're right, Chris. Think of all the characteristics that make a great teacher. It's not in today's world. Now, if we were talking about one classroom or one building class with like seven grades. Yeah, let's ask you. I want Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban would be. I feel like he, if we could get him on our podcast, I would like call it a day because. Then I would say Elon Musk. Ooh, That's why I would yeah. probably go. He started his own school. He's self-educated. I feel like those are the people, those entrepreneurs, those people who, Warren Buffett even. Um, but Mark Cuban, I feel like, you know what, he doesn't really, and Elon Musk is the same way. Like, they don't really listen to popular opinion. It's like, you know what, I I know what I want. I'm going to go at it. I don't know. I would just well, like they, to get their take they, yeah. on, And they like, have enough, enough money to do what they want to do with it. Like, if you said one legislator, that's yeah, not going to get anything Yeah, That's not going to get anything done yeah. if you have one person. Yeah, I don't know. I, but I like... I, I don't like think I answered the question, actually, because... Well, I, you asked... I wasn't like, going for an you? influencer, and that's yeah. what I think I answered it with, but... Yeah, well, wait, are you saying like who would who you think would move the needle the most then? I think who could influence people enough to think that education is important enough to put at the forefront of a national conversation because now I feel like it's just there because everybody knows we have to talk about education. Yeah. But who is really going to sit there and say, no, like, let's freaking talk about this. And I, the reason I say Mark Cuban is because I think he talks about, like, what do what skills do people really need to advance in this world? And when he talked about the pandemic, he was like, what have you done in the last year? He, he said, that's the one interview question I would ask. What have you done in the last mm-hmm. year? And he would want people who have cultivated a new skill yeah. or yeah. enhance something else. And yeah. I feel like they're more in tune with, like, what do we really need to move our whole society forward versus politicians who are going to say whatever their constituents want to say? Yeah. These people don't. Like, so I guess maybe that's where, I don't know. Yeah. I'm all over the place. Well, they're not but, bound by having 200 other people they have to yeah, in, I, influence to get something done. I mean, yeah. those real independent thinkers who yeah. are like, you know what? I have enough money. I don't need yours. So I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah, and I think it's a good idea. So this is what we're going to do. And it may not even be about money, but it may be just about like who we think would connect to the a lot of people, but in the same token, speak to the idea of application of learned skills. Like 
I I yes. think about like there's a great there's a great episode on How I Met Your Mother, right? On the office. Where <laughs> where Barney go meets his real dad and he goes out to steal the basketball hoop from the garage. But he doesn't he was never taught how to use a screwdriver. And that always reminds me and makes me think about what skills did I not yeah. learn along the way. And I'm 38 like what skills have I not learned to make me be able to do what I want to do? And you're right. You think about like a Mark Cuban, self-made, sold comp- <coughs> two companies to make himself a billionaire, bought a basketball team, all that. Like those were not mistakes, right? Like he, you know, you think about what is it? Uh, FUBU, Sean, whatever oh, his name yeah. is. Um, same deal. Like I would love to have him on because he talks about... Being in a like one room apartment, literally hand sewing yeah. clothes, right? Yeah. And it wasn't because he knew he was going to be successful. Is because he knew if he didn't sell like X number a piece of clothing, he wasn't going to pay the rent the month. And I think that's where real skill is born, and education is really born. Um, and I think about how kids learn today. A lot of people, like, you know, Liz, you and I and Chris and I have talked about that project-based learning. It's not exploration learning. Um, Chris, if you had to fix the faucet in your bathroom, you wouldn't necessarily go to college and learn that plumbing skill. You're going to watch a video. You're going to call relatives. You're going to experiment, right? You may have water three feet tall in your bathroom, but you would learn how to do that. And I, I think that's where we need to move. And so... You asked who would we invite. I really think we need to think about who has that entrepreneurial spirit, right? Like who's failed, who's learned, and then who's moved on from it and been successful. Um, And I don't think that has to be like what person came from, you know, if we want to do politics, like who came from white class and all that. Like I, I don't think that matters. I think success is success. And and I think when you when we talk about who we want on this podcast, that creates a whole nother topic, right? Like, are we saying like success is became a millionaire? Success is the philosopher who was in poverty, but yet he has all the he or she has these great thoughts, right? Um, I think about artists, right, who created all these great paintings but never saw them to fruition. Um, so great. I think that I think that's why when we talk about this podcast and we yeah. talk about professionals as humans, I think that's all that all comes into play as far as like, yeah, what do we mean when we say we want to, um, you know, uh, what the fuck? Are is you still word? awake, Liz? <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, we <laughs> we're in your apartment, <laughs> Liz. <laughs> 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 like, Whoa, whoa, it's a safe place. <laughs> but we want to we want to help the future generation, but what are we helping them for? Like, is it for exploration? Is it for I mean, I don't know. Like it's it's not the same as it was before. No, no. It's a whole different type of learning. I feel like we've digressed here. Yeah, um, a little bit. But do we want to talk but, about like for those new teachers, like how we became teachers? Like what was the process and experience? Or do we want to provide a like a galaxy for like a galaxy or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Like, do we want to provide like kind of this roadmap to if you're thinking about getting into education, here are some things you should think about, and this is the reality of it. 
Or are we really here just to say, look, you want to get an education, you're a moron. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, a little bit of the past. <laughs> I feel like it is just like the reality check. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's for like any teachers that are like stressed out right now and they just want to hear somebody's going through the same stuff as they are. And it's almost that... To validate it. To validate it. Sigh of relief. Going to, you know, we say belly up to the blackboard. Going to the bar and being able to let off steam. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I think that's... Way to bring us around, Chris. Way to bring us around. Somebody has to be sober. (laughs) Uh, Because I do feel like, yeah. I think that's what it is. And that's the sharing stories. And, you know, I think that we that we'll yeah. provide on the podcast is no thank you for bringing us around because yep. i went to a whole nother thing um, <laughs> like seriously because i do because i part i think part of that of understanding us as professionals as humans is understanding where we came from and what we believe in but it really does come down to the idea of like yeah like this should just be a place where you know what have fun share stories and you know, yeah. Chris is shaming me right now. <laughs> okay. Well, we on that fun? note, we never cheers or did any kind of like, you know, no, we got, is somebody going to say any kind of like christening of christening. this? Christening. Christening, christening. You edit that out. See, see you next week. We'll yeah, edit, see you next we'll week. No, I guess, like, um, here's a testimony, too, also, that three people who come together um, for a common purpose that is larger than the three of us, but also you guys have known each other for a long time. Yeah. You've taken me in, so, (laughs) so, uh, well, they're still on the fence about that. Don Um, Colleon, I want to say thank you for the... (laughs) But I, I do think it's evident of... Coming from different backgrounds, but still also finding that common ground of, like, it doesn't matter how long you've been in this, what your backgrounds are from, or how long you've known somebody, that there is a commonality to this profession that we all choose to be a part of. And um, the idea that whatever we talk about might be something that other people want to talk about. Absolutely. You know, and that they can relate to, and if they don't have a way to... Uh, relate to that that maybe this could be the place that you know what okay i'm not out there alone so agreed yep their wives are waiting for them so cheers (laughs) cheers that is what we're cheersing to yes apparently (laughs) their wives are waiting for the ride see you next week yeah see you next week um yeah